What's up, y'all, and welcome back to the Shoot Your Shot Sports Podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be answering your Monday mailbag questions, also going to be talking about the NBA as the trade deadline approaches and getting into a brotherly NBA debate, also going to talk about a little NFL offseason and some recent golf action, episode 34 coming at you right now. and thank you for tuning in once again. Hope you all had a great Valentine's Day weekend. We did not have football this weekend, but luckily we have some other sports to keep us occupied in the meantime. Pete, how you doing, man? I'm hanging in there. It's always a difficult adjustment the first weekend of post-NFL life, but luckily we had some great golf on this weekend. I love watching the tournaments at Pebble Beach, just some beautiful scenery out there, and I think it's safe to say I would not shoot under par at that course. What do you think? Yes, that's safe to say. <laughs> Good God. Yeah. Have you watched yourself play golf? Uh, yes, I have. I am terrible at golf, but also it's not the easiest of courses, especially with the wind howling the way it was. I mean, that looked pretty brutal out there, but yeah, I mean, what did the winner finish at? Minus 18? This guy's yeah, unbelievable. What a joke. Yeah. I, I should also clarify that I am not good at golf either. I went out and played two weekends ago, and it was one of those rounds that... For the first seven holes, I was 100% positive I was never going to play golf again because it was just so embarrassing. And I managed to scramble together like three decent shots over the last 11 holes. So I think I am going to go back out there, but we both need some help. We do. And I asked the question, just kind of getting at the course is really hard, but thank you for putting me in a body bag to start our episode (laughs) saying, have you seen yourself play golf? I I really appreciate that. Well, you asked if you could shoot under par. Yeah, it was a joke because the course is hard, dude. (laughs) The course doesn't have to be par. It'd be hard for you to shoot over par. Oh my goodness. This is brutal. All right, let's do the Monday mailbag so I don't have to jump across the table at you. Let's start off with this one from Jordan Fulton in reference to college basketball. Not something we talk about often. Often, no. but this is a good question. Why is Alabama a projected number two seed when they have only one, when they have only beaten one ranked opponent against number sixteen Tennessee, who just got boat raced against unranked LSU? Yeah, this is a tough question, primarily because I don't really watch college basketball, so that <laughs> makes it yeah. tough. It's funny because, like, we host a sports podcast. Technically, we should know what we're talking about here, but I'm not educated on this one. College basketball is a dying breed. It's it's over. Yeah, we were talking about it a couple weeks ago when it was like a Wednesday night UNC Duke game and just no one cared. Exactly. Yeah, college basketball, it's just not something I watch until March. I love the tournament. The tournament's always amazing, especially because they're just guaranteed like these 14 over three upsets in in the first round. But other than that, college basketball is tough. Yeah, it's dying. And it's for the exact reasons you just said. So, for example, you have Duke, UNC, Kentucky, and Kansas are all unranked, I believe, or at least ranked pretty low, which doesn't help at all. It is such a like star-driven sport where if there's a guy like Zion Williamson playing, I'll absolutely tune in. But I think that's the last season I watched college basketball. Like I just have there's no draw anymore for me, and it's going to continue to get worse because of what we've been seeing in the recent off seasons, which is these guys who are the top high school prospects are getting offered somewhere between like two hundred and five hundred thousand dollars to go play in the G League for a year and then enter the draft rather than have to go to class for a year. Which they're all going to do that because it's such a better option. There's no reason why they shouldn't do that. So I have no idea 
I have no idea what's going on with college basketball. <laughs> to answer your question, it makes no sense for them to be a two seed with only one ranked opponent. I will completely agree with you, but I have seen a combined zero seconds of Tennessee, LSU, and Alabama playing college basketball this year. <laughs> right. Well, it's nice of you to admit that. I mean, I'm with Jordan on this. They should not be projected a two seed just by the simple math of it. They're ranked number 11 in the country. That's a three seed, right? I mean, that's just kind of how the math works. So I don't know. My my opinion on this, when I was looking up Alabama and basketball, I, I saw that Avery Johnson. Johnson is no longer their head coach. I didn't even realize that. I thought he was still there. Their head coach is now some guy by the name of Nathaniel Oates. What a nerd. Wow. Yeah. So I think that Nate Oates, who took over, you know, he came over from Buffalo two years ago in 2019. I think Nate Oates just put in the call to his buddy, Nick Saban. Like he's trying to get the basketball program up. And he was like, Saban, do you mind like staring a few guys down and just getting us a two seed this year? And Saban was like, sure. We want, we want a natty. I can focus on you for a little bit. That checks out. That answers the question. Yeah, so Jay Fult, there you go. I think Saban, I mean, his fingerprints are all over this, in my opinion. So I feel bad not giving Jay Fult any better help on this one. So I'm actually starting a new segment of the show right now. What is it? It is my UFC underdog of the week pick. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Completely unrelated. You go, Fulton. Completely unrelated, you think. But I told you this earlier. I won Fulton and Chubbs a bunch of money this weekend by picking an underdog. So Chubbs just texted me before the UFC card and said, hey, uh, who's your favorite underdog tonight? I did some research, I looked into it, gave him a plus 350 guy, and he won. And that's two in a row now that have been pretty big underdogs. So I'm just starting this UFC underdog of the week. So, Jay Fult, here you go. Make you some money this weekend. We have a big fight this weekend between Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis. I'm actually going main event underdog. I'm going to go with Derek Lewis in this one. He's plus 280. And I don't really understand why he's such a big underdog. They have pretty, pretty similar recent resumes here. And I just feel like Derek Lewis is still the kind of guy, despite the fact that he's aging a little bit, that can take anyone out with one punch. I don't think that there's any reason he should be this big of an underdog. So Derek Lewis plus 280. There's your money. All right. So Alabama projected number two seed because Derek Lewis plus 280 at UFC this weekend. Big facts. Bang. All Let's right. Go. Move on to question number two. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thomas Mott wants to know which team outside of the top 10 in the NFL draft has the highest t- chance of taking a quarterback in round one. What you got? So I am cheating on this answer, but I'm going to say, Thomas, it's whoever doesn't end up with Carson Wentz between the Colts and the Bears. So the Bears are picking 20, the Colts are 21, and I think one of them is going to trade up and make a move for a quarterback. You know, I don't know if they can get into the top five. That's going to cost a hell of a lot. But if they can land somewhere in the 10 to 15 range and take Mac Jones, I think that's a pretty good consolation prize for the team that misses out on Wentz. So I'm going to go with one of those. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I was, I think it's hard to predict trades, obviously. So I went with as the draft order currently stands. We'll see as the draft gets closer if the trade order changes or whatever, or the draft order changes. But I'm going with the New England Patriots at number 15. I just think they have such a big question mark at quarterback with Cam Newton no longer in the picture. Jared Stidham doesn't seem like he's the long-term answer. They're not the kind of team that likes to drop big money, long-term contracts on quarterbacks, especially when they're not sure things. Yeah, they'll do it for Tom Brady, but they're not going to do it on some random guy. That's why they signed Cam Newton for one year. So I really think that they're going to be in the market for one of these guys in the draft. I'm assuming that the top four, meaning Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson, and Trey Lance are all going to be gone inside the top 10. But like you said, Mac Jones is going to be floating around there. The team outside the top 10 to look for in the draft would be the Niners sitting there at 12. But I really think that they feel they are one step away, one quarterback away from being back in Super Bowl contention. And for that reason, I think they're going to go more towards the trade or free agency route. So I'm taking the Patriots to go with Mac Jones at pick number 15. Okay, I like that. I can definitely see that happening. I know that Belichick and Saban are good friends. Saban will probably put in a good word for his boy Mac Jones there. Well, doesn't doesn't Mac Jones just seem like a Patriots guy? He just does. He does. 
Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. But this is an interesting question because it actually starts a little bit before then. I think this really starts with the San Francisco 49ers at number 12 overall. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they know he's not the answer. Mm-hmm. He could be a filler for another year, maybe two. But his contract, I'm pretty sure he they can buy him out or release him. And it only is a cap hit of like $2.4 or something. So that seems like a, a logical situation that you know they could go with. But I don't know. I just, I could see... Kyle Shanahan tempted to go with somebody like Trey Lance, number 12, or if he wants more of a pro-style quarterback, Mac Jones at 12. I could see that happening, but Niners at 12, Pats at 15, and then you've got the Washington football team at 19, which Mm -hmm. is interesting. And then, like we said, Bears 20, Colts 21. So I think those are kind of the five we're looking at, and it's going to get really interesting because there's going to be some trade-ups. Yeah, for sure, especially if those first four guys go pretty high and Mac Jones is kind of clearly the next guy in the next tier and several teams want him, I think a team sitting in that 10 to 15 range, like you were saying, could get a lot to trade down out of that spot for one of those teams that's desperate for a quarterback. Agreed. And I think the wild card in all of this is Trey Lance. Like, I'm just going to go on record and say, I don't know if I really get it. Like, I just, there's just not quite enough tape on there for me. I get that he's 6'4", 230, but he's a guy, like, I think Todd McShay had him going third overall in his Mm -hmm. most recent mock draft, but, like, I could also see him falling to the end of the first round, kind of like Lamar Jackson did. I don't know. I just, he's a real wild card for me. He is a wild card, but you got to keep in mind, like, NFL teams don't think the same way you do. They're not trying to go... They're not trying to go like the safe route. They are willing, and you see this all the time, they are willing to gamble on guys with the physical tools, hoping that they can develop into star quarterbacks because that is the name of the game in the NFL. It's what you have to have to win. So that's the reason that guys like Jamarcus Russell go number one overall because if they have the tools, teams are willing to take take the pick on him just because... Well, Jamarcus is different. He could throw it 70 yards from his knees. That's generational talent. <laughs> Gosh. And his career's not over. I mean, you never yeah. know. What's then, Jamarcus, didn't the, 30? Didn't the report come out that Jamarcus Russell like never slept? He just I, couldn't I sleep. Know. Yeah, he had problems. It was it was bad. But anyways, yeah, teams are willing to take gambles on guys that have the physical tools. Trey Lance definitely has that. Not to mention he threw for, what, 30 touchdowns and had zero picks two years ago. So I don't know. I think he's going to go high. 28, but he was counting. Okay. I think he's going to go eighth, eighth or 10th at the very latest. I don't think he's going to make it outside the top 10. All right. I'm going the other way on that. I think that the Washington football team takes him at 19. I think he's a little bit of a faller, but you know, that's, it's all irrelevant. Things change so much from now until the draft. It's all going to change a ton, but without a combine this year, it's going to be nuts. It is going to be nuts. It's going to be so weird at the teams that kind of find those diamonds in the rough who don't show their kind of combine abilities to everybody, you know, like there's guys in the combine every year that go both ways, really, that jump forward a ton because they put up crazy numbers or guys that are slower normally is what it is. Guys who are slower than you think they are. And so they fall back a lot without that going on. I'm really interested to see kind of who the movers and shakers are in the draft. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, thank you for that question, Thomas. And let's move on to our third and final one. This one's from Riley Egan. Who will finish with a better record in 2021, UCF or Auburn? And this one is inspired by a bit of news that came out today. And that is that UCF is hiring Gus Malzahn as their new head coach. Lando, what you think? UCF's on the Gus bus. They are. They are. This is a funny question. The more I looked at it, the more interesting I thought it was. So both of these teams had six wins last year. So they're starting off in kind of a level playing field. You would think that they would both get that kind of little bump that you typically get when a first-year coach comes in for whatever reason, new system, whatever it is, especially the two head coaches that these guys hired who are very innovative offensively. Gus Malzahn and Brian Harson both can put together some pretty good offenses. 
This is really tough. Obviously, you're you're taking into account schedule. So Auburn has to play the SEC West, which is going to be nasty again, probably better than last year because I think that teams like LSU are going to be better. I think AM is kind of entering that realm of like a perennial powerhouse playoff contender. I think even like Ole Miss could be a lot better with, with Matt Corral being one of the best quarterbacks in the country probably next year. And then they're also going to Penn State next year, which is their toughest out-of-conference game. That. That's an interesting yeah, one. Yes, so that's a tough, tough, fun game there. So for that reason, just because the schedule discrepancy is so big where UCF has an easy schedule and and Auburn is going to be so tough, I'm going with UCF. I'm with you for the exact same reasons. I mean, Auburn with the SEC West schedule plus Penn State on the road, that's pretty tough. I'm going Auburn eight wins, UCF nine. So math, that's UCF. Good question, Riley. I like it. All right, moving on now. Let's do it. You want to talk about some NBA? Let's talk about NBA. So the most recent big news in the NBA, although I don't think it's that big a news, but it could have long-term repercussions, is that Anthony Davis re-injured his Achilles last night. He had already missed a little bit of time previously, had kind of worked his way back. This is whatever, his second or third game back probably playing with this and re-aggravated it, only played, I think, 14 minutes last night and had to leave the game. And apparently he's not going to be re-evaluated for two or three more weeks. So he's going to be out for quite some time. What do you think about this injury? Well, it's a bit worrisome just because Anthony Davis, like he's an you know, perennially an MVP caliber player, but he does have some injury history. So it's something to keep an eye on, but two or three weeks this early in the season isn't that big of a deal. I think that the Lakers have a couple options here. I mean, I really wonder if they still try and go all out and get a top one, two, three seed, you know, LeBron James could go on to win MVP. This could kind of propel him to the top of that conversation up there with Joel Embiid, or they could kind of coast, start resting LeBron a little bit more, just get rested for the playoffs because similar to the bubble last year without fans, like seeding isn't that big of a deal this season. So I don't know. I just, I'm curious to see where the Lakers will take this over the next few weeks and for the rest of the season. Yeah. I don't really care at all about two or three weeks of NBA regular season games. I don't think it matters. The problem is just what you said is that this season was kind of for me, especially with the really, really short off season about Anthony Davis kind of leading the team, taking over the team, putting it on his back during the regular season and allowing LeBron to play somewhere around 30 ish minutes, hopefully per game and just kind of coasting to the playoffs and then making it happen once they got there. But that absolutely cannot happen now. LeBron's already been playing crazy minutes, especially after they played four overtimes in three games last week. And now he's going to be having to carry the load for the foreseeable future. I think that they're just going to kind of do what they need to do to make the playoffs. Who cares about seeding and just see what happens in the long run? I am worried about this because it's a kind of a recurring type thing. Like this could just pop, keep on popping back up. And if he misses a couple games in a playoff series, it could be over for them. Like that's how big of a deal he is for that team. Oh, absolutely. I'm with you there. And the the big winner in this is the Utah Jazz. I mean, they're ahead of the Lakers with the one seed right now, sitting at 22 and five. They've been unbelievable. They're nasty. Yeah. So they're, they're sick. They're on their way to a one seed with Anthony Davis out. So yeah, like I said, they're the beneficiary of this. You got the Clippers at the three, the Suns at the four, and then there's kind of a drop off after that. So keep an eye on where the Lakers are positioned in the West. Just curious after this news, because I saw some people reacting to this in this way with this injury and the potential of it affecting Anthony Davis down the road and into the playoffs. Just what are your current thoughts on the Brooklyn Nets as NBA finals contenders? Well, 
we made that bet. I, I like the Nets to go farther in the playoffs than the Bucks. So, I mean, I think that they're contenders just because their offense is going to be so good and it's only going to get better. I understand that their defense so far since they traded for Harden has been historically bad, but they'll at least get marginally better. I don't know. I, I like the Nets to come out of the East. So with that being said, I, I kind of like them. I mean, I would rank them probably third or fourth in the league right now, though. Like I, had, I saw Stephen A. Smith react to this by saying that his first reaction to Anthony Davis's injury last night was not the was that the Brooklyn Nets are going to win the NBA Finals. It's like that's kind of a weird overreaction, right? Like we're so far away from the playoffs. Anthony Davis getting hurt right now doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get hurt later on. I think the chances of either Kevin Durant or Kyrie Irving being hurt for the playoffs are just as high as Anthony Davis, right? Those guys are super injury prone. Kevin Durant's out again. He just strained his hamstring. He's missing the next couple games. So I don't really think that this is like a huge like game changer as far as the Nets chances of winning the title. So I thought that was an interesting reaction. I hadn't heard that, but I mean, Stephen A. Smith is not a guy that I go to for intelligent opinions. No, I'm with you. <laughs> I mean, the guy's made an incredibly successful career for himself, but he's just kind of a hot take artist who will say anything to get attention. Um, I don't know. I guess my takeaway there is that he just clearly thinks that the Nets are the favorite in the East. Will they get past the Sixers and the Bucks? Who knows? But yeah, I, I think that's kind of a far leap to say that a Western Conference injury makes them the favorite for the finals. That, that's kind of strange. If you had to listen to either Stephen A. Smith or Skip Bayless only talk about sports for the rest of your life, which one would it be? You mean Drip Bayless? Dude, I got to go with Bayless. Are you serious? No. Okay. I, I, I need to spend at least more time on that. Dude, I would... <laughs> They're both insufferable. I, I, I at least laugh occasionally because Stephen A. Smith is ridiculous. Skip Bayless makes me want to bang my head through a wall repeatedly. Yeah, I don't know. It might depend on the topic of conversation because they each have opinions where they'll say something and I'm like, I actually don't hate that. But they also say things that just make me want to die. So it might depend on what they're talking about. Like as a Cowboys fan, Stephen A. Smith is the biggest Cowboys troll in the world. So I hate him for that. But Skip is a Cowboys fan and gives us a bad name. So I hate him for that too. Yeah, but I at least think that Stephen A. Smith is genuine about his opinions. Skip Bayless is so obviously not saying anything factual just to piss people off and have people listen. It just drives me nuts. Like LeBron take. He legitimately thinks LeBron's like a bad basketball player. At least says that. There's no way he yeah. actually believes it. Okay. I, I might have to report back on this one and study their takes a little bit harder. Stephen A. Smith's genuine about his opinions. I don't know about that. Like, I don't know if he truly believes that the Nets are the number one contender or if he just knows that they're kind of the hot thing to talk about right now. Like, I think he truly hates the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah, he's from New York. I yeah. mean, he's a Giants fan. I get yeah, that. Yeah, so at least that's real. I don't know. This We're taking too long on this. Let's move on. Okay. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. All right. We got the NBA trade deadline moving uh, coming up real soon on March 25th. Uh, two big names that are out there right now that are floating around are Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. What do you think about these guys on the move? I say big names with, with air quotations <laughs> over here. Right. I mean, Andre Drummond was mentioned a couple weeks ago with a, as a potential buyout candidate who would maybe sign with the Nets. I mean, Andre Drummond, he's not a complete pushover. He's averaging 17.5 points with 13.5 rebounds this year. That's pretty solid. And we were talking about it earlier. Like, I know that he can't really be out there against some of these smaller lineups, but he could help a team like the Nets, you know, get through the East. So I think that's a big one. And then Blake Griffin, I mean, God, this guy was, <laughs> he was at the top of the world with the LA Clippers and Lob City out there there dating one of the Kardashians or whatever. Who did he date? Kendall Jenner? I don't know. I don't even one know what Kendall Jenner looks like. 
Yeah, you do. I really don't. Okay. Anyway, that's weird. <laughs> but yeah, Blake Griffin just went into complete oblivion with the Pistons. So it would be kind of fun to see him back with somebody. Like, I, I think that he's not quite as bad as his stats reflect. Like, he's horrible. I, I know that he's not good, but he's been playing for the Pistons in complete anonymity for a couple years. Exactly. Dude, if he gets traded to somewhere good, he'll turn it back on at least a little bit. That is, no. If you're playing for a team as bad as the Pistons and you have as many opportunities as he has and you're still only averaging 12 points and five rebounds per game on 36% shooting, keep in mind, he's also making $75 million the next two years. He's on a five-year, $171 million contract. That's so bad. I saw that earlier when I was looking him up. He's owed 36.6 the rest of this year and 39 next year. That is a movie contract. That is so bad. Absolutely hate to see that. I think these guys are both in the same situation, right? I guess Blake Griffin's not because you can't really buy him out because he's got too much time left. But you can't trade these guys really to contenders because of their contracts. They're, they're they're making way too much money. Andre Drummond's making twenty nine million this year. So in order to make a trade happen, they'd have to take back twenty three million dollars in salary cap. So teams would have to give up like probably two big assets to get Andre Drummond. I just I don't know how that's going to happen. It would have to be a buyout. Yeah, I always think it's funny when teams put guys on the block like this and basically say, yeah, we're going to seek a trade, and if not, we're going to buy them out, which just gives away all of the leverage. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they know that they're going to be available in free agency in, yeah, like, two for, days anyway. For significantly less. Right. It makes no sense. But, yes, I, I see both of these guys getting bought out and signing on somewhere with contenders. So, that'll be fun to see, depending on where they go. But, anyway, the next thing I want to talk about is LaMelo Ball. Yeah. This guy is is the real deal. Averaging 15, 6, and 6 in only 28 minutes per game for the Hornets this year. They're currently slotted in in the sixth seed as in the East. I mean, what do you think about Mello? Yeah, you know I, I'm not a Ball Brother fan, but I cannot deny that LaMelo has been really good. You gave those 15, 6, and 6 numbers, but that's just over the course of the whole season. That doesn't include the fact that he was on the bench for a while, and now he's starting and getting more minutes, and his numbers have been much better as of late. He's really, really good for a 19-year-old with this, the physical tools that he has, the size that he has for his position. Like That guy is going to be a star in the making. He has incredible confidence for a 19-year-old in his spot, too. So I think the future's bright there for him. Of course he has confidence. Do you know whose dad is? Yeah. <laughs> the, the absolute king of false confidence. <laughs> you know the scene in Big Daddy? We wasted the good surprise on you. Yes. That is LeVar Ball with Lonzo. Yeah, that's true. It's like, very true. Dude, all of that hoopla a few years ago for Lonzo and you didn't do anything for this guy, six eight point guard who's like might be an all star in year one. What are you doing? Lamello is already significantly better than Lonzo has ever been. Oh yeah. Not Big even time. close. And then didn't Lavar say that Leangelo is the best one? <laughs> Sounds good, man. <laughs> I hope so. The highlight of Leangelo's career was reverse layup and warm-ups for a G League game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was a sick layup, though. It was pretty sick. Do you do you know Lamelo's middle name? I don't. LaFrance. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. LeVar yeah, Ball's dumb. the man. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> we got to get LeVar back involved. Wait, I have to look this up. Okay, so it's LaMelo LaFrance Ball. What is Lonzo Ball's middle name? Steve. It's Anderson. Anderson? <laughs> that's okay. Pretty, pretty typical. That's, that's got to be mother's maiden name. Yeah, Classic. I would think so. And then let's see Leangelo's middle name. It's Leangelo Robert. Robert? <laughs> Robert Anderson and LaFrance. Interesting, because, I mean, there's me? a lot of synergy with the names Lonzo, Leangelo, and LaMelo. Like, those are sick. Yeah. But the, the middle names, are, what'd you say, Robert, Anderson, and LaFrance? Yeah. Those all seem like family names to me. It's possible. Okay. We'll do some more digging there. (laughs) But anyway, we talked about how LaMelo's got the Hornets slotted at the sixth seed in the East. The East sucks. They've got four teams over 500 right now. The Celtics are broken. 
They're yeah, what thirteen are they doing? and thirteen. They're J- horrible. I think Jason Tatum had six points last night, or maybe two nights ago. But in those recent game, he had six points. Yeah, it seems like not that long ago we were talking about how they were they being Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were each averaging over 27 points a game which is pretty sick and they were just emerging as these you know the superstar young duo and now they're 13 and 13 not looking good at all they're currently in the five seed though which is funny but like I said these sucks then you've got the Raptors in the eight seed at 12 and 15 the Heat are also broken the Hawks sitting there at 11 15 like what are they doing it's bad right now the longest win streak of any team in the east is two games like yikes like, wait what like nobody in the east has won more than two games in a row currently right now like the whole season no like right now oh oh, oh gotcha yeah like, the like ongoing like streak. nobody's winning any games in the east they're the west is winning every game every cross conference game it's just a, a one-sided massacre by the west over the east right now that's crazy and i saw that the pacers are the only team in the east that have a winning record on the road like wow in in a season with no fans where home versus away shouldn't make that big of an impact like that just is bad. I don't know what the East is doing. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the West, you have the Jazz are ten and three on the road. The Lakers are twelve and three. The Clippers are eleven and four. Like they're dominating, and the East just yeah, the East is bad. There are there is hope though, right? Like there's a lot of teams who had kind of weird situations at the beginning. Like the Heat had a lot of problems at the beginning of the season with COVID and injuries and all that. So I think they're they're on the come up right now. Uh, I think that the Raptors should be getting better in the near future. Although they're not really showing any signs. They're five and five in their last ten. The Bucks, the Sixers, and the Nets at the top, I think, are kind of really the clear first tier, right? With maybe the Celtics sneaking in there at some point in time if they can get it together. But yeah, overall, like you said, East is bad. Not great at all. Uh, well, you want to move on to some NFL? No, I don't because I have a question for you first. NBA related. Ooh, I forgot about this. Yeah, I want to know, out of all the current NBA brothers... Who would win a two-on-two competition? So going to give a little rundown right now, Charles Minor style. We got Steph and Seth Curry. We have Lonzo and LaMelo Ball. We have Giannis Antetokounmpo and one of his brothers. You can pick either Thanasis or Kostas. I think Thanasis because he plays more. Drew, Justin, and Aaron Holiday. You can pick any two of them. Marcus and Markeith Morris and Brooke and Robin Lopez. Who would win a two-on-two <laughs> contest out of this squad? I'm dying at Brooke and Robin Lopez. Why? I kind of forgot about them. They're awesome. I guess. And two on two, that would be kind of a movie. (laughs) Exactly, but it's kind of fun. I'm super good on the holidays. Let's just go ahead and throw them out. Yeah, the holidays are out. I don't know. I think that my two top contenders here would be Steph and Seth and Giannis and either one of his brothers. I'm not sure that it really matters because who's going to guard Giannis out there? I think I'm going to go with the Currys just because they could rain threes. Like I trust them to shoot like above 40% from three. You know, Giannis might be able to step out on somebody, but who knows about Thanasis or Kostas? So I, I think Thanasis my pick plays is a good the, bit. the Curries, even though they would be horrible on defense, obviously. Yeah, this is a tricky situation. I just, I would think this would be so much fun to watch just from a matchup standpoint. Can you imagine Brooke and Robin Lopez two on two versus Steph and Seth Curry? Does that, <laughs> does that sound electric? It, yeah, it does. It sounds like a lot of shattered ankles, especially from Robin Lopez. Yeah, and also a lot of back downs and dunks. Like who, who they're never going to stop anybody. Is this okay. So this is like half court two on two call your own fouls or do we have professional refs? We have professional refs. This is not a Bush league little thing. This is like, this is a big, this is pretty serious. Okay. Well, you also can't just like have one brother, you know, drive in while the other brother stands under the rim to get a rebound easily because they're seven feet. Like you'd get offensive three seconds. Yeah. Like it's, this is tough. 
Yeah, we got some serious factors here. Yeah, and it also depends on the format. Like if it's a tournament style, it's it kind of depends on who you run into, right? Because if you can manage to avoid a team on the other side that you match up badly against, then you have a good chance. Actually, I'm going to change my pick. I'm going with the Antetokounmpo's. Okay. Because I think that Giannis would shoot 100% against the Currys. Like, he would just dunk it every time. And I think he'd be more motivated because now that he re-signed with Milwaukee, this would be the only championship he'd ever win. <laughs> Yikes. That was good. Okay, yeah, I think I was leaning toward the Antetokounmpo's as well because I think that against the Currys, who I think are the second best, that Giannis would be, would be able to guard Steph better than Steph would be able to guard Giannis. The the kind of exception to this, the reason I don't think they could win, like if this was tournament style, I think that if they happen to run into Marcus and Markeith Morris before the finals, that they would probably shatter their kneecaps with baseball bats or something. Ooh, yeah, the and Morrises are dangerous here. Exactly. They got nothing to lose. No, they got nothing to lose. And they're they're also good. Like they're both mid-sized. They can both kind of guard up or down. They're both like just decent all-around players. I don't really know how well they can create their own shots, but they're probably going to hurt you. They're probably going to injure somebody pretty seriously. So whoever doesn't run into them in the first couple of rounds wins. Interesting. Okay. I like this concept. I need to put some more thought into this, but I know that they're going to play the all-star game in Atlanta in March. And a lot of players have kind of fought back against it. There's been a little backlash, so they should cancel the all-star game and instead do the brotherly two on two tournament. I think that'd be fun. And just as a little brief add on to this, if you could include in their primes, any set of brothers in NBA history to win this contest, got anyone that comes to mind? I don't, but clearly you do. Who are you thinking of? One thing that I, one team that would be really fun to watch would be Pau and Marc Gasol, right? Just like yes. two seven-footers, but more skilled than the Lopez twins and sh- better shooters, better passers. Like, that'd be kind of fun. It would, yeah. The Gasols could definitely do some damage in the two-on-two tourney. All right, well, anyway, let's transition to NFL now. I want to give you a quick update on something I mentioned on our last episode, and that is the quarterback carousel pool. I've got yes. me, and, me and five of my friends. I love it. I want to hear some updates. Yeah, so... To update everyone, we were predicting the week one 2021 starting quarterback for each of the 32 NFL teams. And so I'm just going to give you my favorite from each person. Okay. And just tell me what you think. Okay. Instant reaction. So my favorite pick for myself, Gardner Minshew, Bears. That's a stone cold lock. Why would that be a lock? It's a lock, dude. Because the Bears are going to miss out on the Carson Wentz sweepstakes. He's going to the Colts. It just makes too much sense for him to reunite with Frank Reich. I think they've got a good relationship. That's where he's going. So the Bears, who are desperate for a quarterback, because if they don't have improved quarterback play and make it back to the playoffs, Matt Nagy's getting fired. So they're they're they got to go all in on somebody. And once the Jaguars take Trevor Lawrence with the number one overall pick, that makes Minshew expendable. Might as well get something for him. Bears makes a ton of sense. I would be willing to bet Gardner Minshew's not the starting quarterback for anybody on on week one, day one next year. If he's on the Jags, I agree. (laughs) If he's not, I don't. Would you rather have Mitchell Trubisky or Gardner Minshew? Oh, Minshew. Trubisky. Okay, well, it's funny you mentioned that because Trubisky was a common theme here. Yeah. So Chubbs' favorite pick of mine, Mitch Trubisky to the 49ers. What do you think about that? Wow, that's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. I feel like something would have to go seriously wrong in the rest of the 49ers offseason to end up there. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what I thought was funny. So this kind of goes along with my favorite of Andy's, and that is Ryan Fitzpatrick to the 49ers. I just think it's funny because the the Niners are are one of these teams (laughs) are one of these teams where it's like they're a quarterback away. Clearly, two years ago, before they had all these injuries, they were playing in the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, had the lead in the fourth quarter with Jimmy Gooop. So if they're trying to upgrade from Gooop to get back to the Super Bowl, why would they willingly downgrade? 
braid with no. either Trubisky or Fitzpatrick. This is, this is great. This is like this is like if I'm in my current situation, like I have a job, I have a car, I have a house, and all of a sudden I was put in a time machine and I woke up a year from now and I was living under a bridge and homeless. I'd be like, what the heck happened? That's the same thing that would be if they if the Niners went from the Super Bowl last year to next year starting Mitchell Trubisky or Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. I mean, it'd be pretty nuts, but I don't know. Like, if you think about it, a young, genius, offensive mind like Kyle Shanahan being paired up with Trubisky, who's fresh off a Nickelodeon MVP <laughs> award, Dude. like, Chubbs might be onto something here. Oh. That, that could be an electric offense. Gosh, it's not going to happen. It, can't, <laughs> it just can't happen. Yeah, it's just really funny because they're, like, somewhat <laughs> involved in the Deshaun Watson trade talks. Like, people want to see him go there. So if they end up with Trubisky, shit has hit the fan. It's so bad. It's <laughs> yeah. so bad. All right, moving on to Poteet's favorite pick of mine. And this one is just next level. Like, I don't even know how you arrive here. But A.J. McCarron starting week one for the Bengals. <laughs> <laughs> I started laughing before you even finished saying A.J. Before you even said the team. So I'm, I'm getting in Poteet's head here. Okay. So... He was in the Bengals. He, he got drafted by the Bengals. Yeah. He played for them from 2014 to 2017. That was before they hired new head coach Zach Taylor. Mm-hmm. But Joe Burrow tore his ACL last year, November 22nd. So he is presumably going to be out for at least the first few weeks of the season, if not longer. So you got to go with you know somebody that they're going to either sign long-term or one of their backups from last year. Like I personally put Brandon Allen in here. Uh, Ryan Finley would have been, I guess, my next choice. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know what you think about McCarron going back to the Bengals. I don't, I don't hate that because it is exactly what they're going to be looking for, right? They're going to be looking for just a brief stopgap in there until Joe Burrow gets back. A guy that they don't have to spend a whole lot of money on and who can then be their backup quarterback for the remainder of the season. So I don't, I don't hate that at all. I don't know if it's going to be AJ McCarron, but it's going to be a guy like him. So go with it. Uh, Ruskell put Andy Dalton there. I actually kind of like that. Makes That's sense. not bad either. Yeah, kind of same deal. Yeah, so I put Brandon Allen just to go with one of their backups from last year, but who I strongly considered was Fitzpatrick. I mean, a guy who wants to play could come in and start for a few weeks and then be a mentor to Burrow. I think that makes a ton of sense too. I think Gardner Minshew has a better chance of being that guy than he does the Bears starting quarterback. Gardner Minshew will win a Super Bowl with the Bears. You're insane if you think otherwise. Can we make a Gardner Minshew bet for next year? <laughs> what is it? Uh, over, under, on his touchdown passes. What's your What's your line there? That's not fair because he might not start a game. But if he does, that's he'll throw, the whole point of our conversation. Fifty. Um, <laughs> over, under, touchdown passes. You set the line. Uh, fourteen and a half. <laughs> oh god <laughs> over hammer the over yeah. is this in a game or a season <laughs> two seasons i'm going under oh god I'm going all right under. you're way too much of a seller on gardner i've got over lock it in oh gosh all right we got to keep that one keep all that right one written down here all right we'll stick it on the trubisky train dude and fitzpatrick all right so joey's favorite pick or my favorite pick of Joey's Washington football team starting Mitchell Trubisky week one. What'd you think? What is going on with Trubisky? Um, well, this, so this is my favorite pick of yeah, everyone's. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I just, I don't know why I think Mitchell Trubisky is just a generally hilarious human. That's, I think Mitchell Trubisky there is possible because they're not in like immediate Super Bowl contention like the Niners are. The Niners are going to go all out to get somebody if, if they make a change. So I think that yeah, the, the, the Niners could get involved for Minshew. 
<laughs> I don't think I think the Washington football team, first of all, they're terribly run. And so Mitchell Trubisky is a great fit there. And also it's a guy that kind of who's young to take a chance on who showed some promise possibly in the second half of this past season. So maybe they're just going to see what he's got, see if he's for real because uh, he showed that he could be. So I think he kind of fits well with Washington football team. I don't mind that. All right. Fair enough. Let's All go. right. So Ruskell's favorite pick, Ryan Fitzpatrick Falcons. i'm I'm not sure how you arrived there so he did not have justin Fields starting for anybody so i'm wondering if um he's got the falcons drafting fields number four overall and signing somebody to start you know in the interim before fields takes over he he did have matt ryan starting for the washington football team so he's assuming the falcons trade matt ryan interesting this is bananas yeah dude it was really fun i've got to send you the whole spreadsheet it got wild. I would love to see this entire spreadsheet because it sounds from the way that you told me, like the ones that you've told me, there are a series of steps that have to happen in order for these to take place. And so I just, I can't even imagine kind of like the, the domino effect that went down. Yeah. I mean, these things were just all over the place. There were a couple teams where clearly none of us had any idea what to do with them. So I want to ask you about a couple of those real quick and okay. just give me your, I guess, instant opinion on who their week one starter will be. Washington football team. Taylor Henneke. That's who I went with. A couple of us did. There were some Alex Smith, Justin Fields, Trubisky, Matt Ryan. So yeah, that one was a little tough. What about the Miami Dolphins? Tua. Okay, I'm still so a Tua believer. I am not a Tua believer, but I do not think that they're trading him. I don't think they're going to get that deal worked out for Deshaun. So those were the two there. Colts. Colts. I know it's cliche, but I feel like you're right. I think Carson Wentz just makes the most sense. It's just, yeah, Every, the pieces just fit. It seems to align like Carson Wentz makes sense there. Yeah, we were split on that one. Four Carson Wentzes and two Sam Darnolds. So okay. presumably people are saying, you know, the Jets might be willing to deal Darnold. That could be a destination for him. So anyway, I don't know if it will ever be this relevant. Again, the quarterback carousel in the NFL. But if it is, you should do this. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I would love to do this. This this is already a blast just listening to this. I would love to be a part of that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so I'll send you the full spreadsheet. It, it's pretty electric. All right, so let's move on to other NFL news. And the news of the week was J.J. Watt yeah. released from the Texans. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's interesting. It's not as big a news, obviously, as it would have been a couple years ago. I was looking at his stats, and he played a full 16-game season this year and had five sacks. So it's not he's not the dominant J.J. Watt, whatever it was, three-time NFL defensive player of the year that he used to be. But he's still a force. He's still a guy worth having in your team. And he's still a great locker room presence and a leader of a franchise, a guy who kind of like sets the tone, the hardest worker in the room type of guy. So someone that you want. It's going to be so weird seeing him somewhere else because he's one of those guys that's so synonymous with the city that he plays in for a few reasons. One, because he's always been there for his entire career, but also because he's kind of like the face of Houston when they went through the whole hurricane thing a couple years ago, and he was the one who rallied the city and raised all the money. So it's going to be really strange seeing him play for another team, but it's going to be fun at the same time because he's going to be a big piece and he's only going to play for a winning team. So he's going to be a big piece of a potential championship contending team. Where do you think he's going? So this, my pick is the Steelers. I, I just think that he's going to want to play for a contender, like you said. And he, in the twilight of his career, he doesn't need money. I think he's going to sign like a veteran's minimum type contract with the Steelers. I just I think he's going to want to play with his brothers, play across from TJ, play with Derek. 
And I don't, I don't know. I just think that makes too much sense. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. I want to go ahead and read the odds out. So the top five teams in terms of odds for J.J. Watt's next team are the Steelers at plus 150, the Bucks and Packers at plus 400, the Ravens at plus 600, and the Bears at plus 700. Like you said, all contending teams, all teams that are not that far away from Super Bowl contention. I think you're right, though. Playing with his brothers for a, for a really good defense and a great coach and a great organization seems to make sense. Right. And everyone, you know, is speculating on his next destination, you know, the next team he's going to play for. And also talking about the end of an era in Houston, like you mentioned, he was kind of the face of that franchise for a while on and off the field, did a lot of things for the franchise and for the city. One thing that no one's talking about here that I just have to bring up is in order to be released, he had another year on his contract and the Texans you know, tried to, you know, make this a good PR move for them, get rid of him, you know, let him go and sign wherever he wants to. But don't you have to get something for him? You'd think so. Why why not trade him a year ago or at least now they could probably get like a third or fourth round pick. And if they want to do right by JJ, who's meant so much to the franchise, do what a lot of teams do. Ask him for a short list of teams in order of, you know, his preferences and trade him for a pick I just I think if you're Deshaun Watson and you're looking at this and you need help if they're going to convince you to stay and you want to win like why are you letting one of our more talented players go for nothing it's just I know that they're trying to move on they're trying to cleanse themselves of the Bill O'Brien era where he just traded first round picks for nothing and they're they're trying to like implement this new GM but it's just another example even with a new regime of talent accumulation malpractice from the Texans. Yeah, it's not a good look and it's a top-down kind of thing despite the fact that the lower guys, meaning the head coach and the GM have changed, the owner is still the same and so the same things continue to happen. It's the same story with the Cowboys, unfortunately. It's right. just, like, <laughs> just how it goes. Yeah, Texas just can't do football very good, apparently. Apparently not. <laughs> you mentioned Texas football. Can I bring up a completely random thing that has nothing to do with what we're talking about? Sure, I love that. You're talking about like accumulation of talent in a sport in one state. Have you thought about, I just saw this on something earlier. Have you thought about how many of the top athletes in all sports are currently located in Los Angeles? It's kind of weird to think about. You have LeBron in Los Angeles right now. You have LeBron, Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Mookie Betts, Clayton Kershaw, Mike Trout, who am I missing? Justin Herbert. I guess Anthony Rendon Ramsey, Anthony Rendon, um, Joey Bosa like you have all these like the talent in Los Angeles right now the sporting world in Los Angeles right now is insane yeah it's nuts and I guess that's a function of a couple different things they have two NFL teams two NBA two Major League Baseball so they have double the amount of teams as other cities and they're a free agent destination I mean they just go out and sign anybody they want because the franchises make so much money so I get your point though I mean it's a star-studded city right now it's crazy and I kind of hate it it's cool in the NBA I love that rivalry and I am sad that we didn't get to see the Western Conference Finals at Staples Center between the Lakers and Clippers last year in front of you know a packed house I I hope to see that someday but I I don't like it for baseball because the Dodgers are just getting in our way they sure are and also the these teams just spend way too much money and I'm sick of it. Yeah, I'm over it. All right. Well, last topic of discussion for today is the PGA Tour. Daniel Berger won the Pebble Beach Pro-Am this weekend at minus 18, as we mentioned earlier during the mailbag segment. Closed it out with a 30-foot eagle putt. What would you think of the tourney? I was pretty bummed about the conclusion of it. I was talking to dad before the final round teed off yesterday, and I told him the one guy I just really don't want to win is Daniel Berger because he drives me freaking nuts on the greens. You watched that guy putt before? No. What does he do? So he goes up there, and he has his little line on the ball like everybody else, which is fine. But he like will place his ball down with the line pointing to where he wants to aim. 
and then he'll like address the ball with his putter and look at it, and then he'll like go down and move the ball like a millimeter, and then stand back up again and like act like he's about to put it, and then bend back over and do it again, just like eight times. It drives me nuts. So I'm done with that guy. That's just precision, man. How are you supposed to sink thirty foot eagle putts to win Pebble Beach if you don't do that? He drives. I'm, I'm over it. I'm, I've had enough. So I didn't want Daniel Berger to win. I wanted Jordan Speed to win. That was kind of the reason I was tuned in because I wanted to see him get back on track and finally be Jordan Speed again. He didn't quite get it done, but the fact that he's finished in the top five or whatever the last two weekends in a row is a really good sign. Hopefully he's in contention when the majors start next month. Yeah, that would be really fun to see him kind of there on Sunday at the Masters in April. But I mean, the way he's playing, Jordan Spieth is back for the first three rounds. Like, that's huge. That's big for golf. Yeah, yeah. I just want him to be all the way back. That that hole in from the fairway on 16 on Saturday was sick to put him in the lead. He had a chance, just couldn't finish the drill. Yeah, I mean, golf needs him. Like, if we could have a Masters Sunday where, like, in the top 10-ish, you've got Spieth, Tiger, Brooks, DJ, like... I don't know. I feel like if all of those guys can put it together in the same tournament, that's just peak PGA Tour. It would be fun. We're only a month or so away from the first major of this golf season, which I can't wait for. It's going to be at TPC Sawgrass. The players, it's going to be sick. Yeah, Sawgrass is the one with the Island Green on 16, right? 17, yes, sir. 17, yeah. I once hit a hole in one there in Tiger Woods PGA Golf 2012. That's dope. And yeah, it was electric. Let's go do it in real life. Yeah, put like 12 feet of backspin on it. Just unbelievable stuff yeah that go- that game gave me unrealistic expectations for actually playing golf that was we would shoot like 20 under par oh yeah i think i shot 22 under at beth page one time <laughs> piece of cake <laughs> all right <is> that it? <laughs> yeah I, I got nothing else right, i got nothing else we, we started with you body bagging me in real golf and so i had to end it with me bragging about how good i was at hey, tiger woods you're the one who asked if there was a chance that you could shoot under par at Pebble Beach. So Whatever, man. Just wrap it up. <laughs> right. you jerk. Thank y'all for tuning in once again. Don't forget to follow us on Apple and Spotify. Give us some ratings and reviews. We'll catch y'all next week. Have a good day. 